Almina Durelba, have you covered the reports coming out that China is collapsing? Always, baby. It's collapsing tomorrow. It actually collapsed yesterday, but they hit it. I know that you probably have the capacity to just straight up go there, do research, or talk to a Chinese person, or talk to a bunch of Chinese people, or even talk to the Americans that are currently in China, or routinely engage in commerce and live in China, okay? But instead of doing that, how about I told you I found a new metric that we talk about how China is collapsing. By the way, the irony of, of the China is collapsing narratives that pop off regularly american economists don't agree the perspective that like china is collapsing the narrative is inevitably going to shift the reality is when you have a centralized planned economy the ways of measuring success within the economy are going to be different and this is like a fundamental thing that weirdly enough dogmatic capitalist thinkers refuse to recognize and don't even look back at they don't even look back at their mistakes let me explain what i mean by this for years and years we talked about ghost cities and how much of a failure it was and everyone was like why are they building so much it's so stupid it's so dumb and part of the reason why they were building was because they wanted to keep putting people to work they wanted money to keep flowing the other reason why they were building these ghost cities ghost cities for those of you who don't know used to be a big thing it was basically just these major cities that were built that had no one in them there wasn't enough people living in these cities yet but they had built the cities beforehand before demand came came in. Some might consider that really cool city planning. Now, a lot of the people are unironic yimbies on Twitter are also the same people who probably on ghost cities in general. That was a major flub. It took 10 years, but almost all of those cities are now ginormous cities with tens of millions of people living in them. Correction, no one lives there even now. Dude, see, this is what I mean. This is not about like dick riding China at all. This is simply about just the truth. Like, do you want to be wrong and be surrounded by other people who are wrong? And there are plenty who are, who will help you feel like you're right. Or do you want to know the truth? The saddest part about this affair is that like talking about this honestly for so many who are just like you're in this camp i'm in that camp you can't say anything that deviates away from what i expect from your camp can you list a ghost city that is now heavily populated i'm genuinely curious sure <sighs> I mean, this is a Bloomberg Business Week article. This is the first one that came up. In places called Ghost Cities, you find massive, ambitious urbanizing projects spark investment, but don't draw population at all at once, says Max Woodworth, an associate professor of geography at The Ohio State University, who's written extensively on the topic. The result is a landscape that appears very city-like, but without much action in it. China was under-urbanized for many years, Woodworth says, and is raised to correct that, but the pace of the building often outstrips the rate at which newcomers move in, even with investors snapping up apartments as Chinese home prices are just got paywalled. This does not personally mean that there are no cities that are still largely uninhabited right but once again this is a metric of success that you are applying to an economy that doesn't work the way you think it works we have looked at a of these ghost cities and what the development looks like on this broadcast time and time again. This was the one that we looked at. The time-lapse video satellite image showing how much China has changed, but also this wasn't even it. There's like a before and after. Like the development has been f***ing massive. The cities that already existed exploded and most of them are tier one cities. The cities that were ultimately nothing, like were uninhabited, now grown in population. A new mega city called Shangan is set to be built near Beijing in an attempt to take the pressure off the larger metropolis. Shenzhen extended its western coastline to grapple with its growing population. Chengdu, which started expanding its public transit in early 2010s, is one of China's fastest growing cities. By 2020, Chengdu plans to have 180 miles of metro lines. In the past 40 years, Guangzhou's population has exploded. 
The city paved over farmland and merged with nearby cities to create one of the lar world's largest metropolis seas. This isn't even it. There's a there's a better article than this one. The irony of like Americans or people in the Western world talking about ghost cities is unimaginably hypocritical dog we have ghost cities in our ghost cities there used to be commerce there used to be public life our ghost cities are in the past china's ghost cities are a product of like rapidly trying to urbanize before they actually fill those cities some of which are going to be flubs by the way regardless the reason why i mention this is because you're looking at this from the perspective of a supposedly western liberal democracy a free market style development and that's why i always say china is in a very unique position where all of the people that shit on it like all the sock dems that on China in the Western world. Ironically, all of the things that China has done, if they were to not think about it as though China has done it, if you were to talk about the that China has done so far with its massive development projects, with high-speed rail, like rapid urbanization, even development, without putting the, the name China next to it or communism next to it, it's literally everything that these socialists or sock dems are supposed to love. Straight up. These are straight up the same things that we want in America. That's part of the reason why I bring up China all the goddamn time, because I want America to have these things. I want us to also rapidly urbanize in areas and build out entire new cities to offset the population density in big cities i want there to be robust public transit on top of that you know what i mean these are the things i advocate for so when i see china doing it okay i'm like well that's good the closest we get to that are former company towns that are now shelled out hollow holes where people just go to die i never understand why when people criticize china how they never mention the organized labor issues there are issues in china there are issues there's the free speech stuff that's a pretty big deal there's still there's still plenty of ways to go with respect to labor rights okay lol your lost buddy china is doing it in the five percent of their country exit the urban zone i compare countries to where they used to be it is ridiculous i am a materialist i am going to engage in a materialist analysis i am not going to simply look at a country and be like well nothing happened the day prior if you look at the direction that china is heading and you look at the direction that america is heading you realize that our ghost cities are a byproduct of outsourcing and industry leaving these areas and the way that they were built originally were designed around a singular company it was like basically a company town with government subsidies when the company decides to leave the town is done it's over look at the appalachia and you will see what i'm talking about china of course has areas that are not rapidly urbanizing the difference is they do have an interest as far as what they have shown thus far in rapidly and evenly urbanizing the entire country in a way that we did way back in the day in the new deal era ghost towns or boom towns what new cities really become and this is from five years ago 30 years ago hardly anybody other than shanghai local would have found any reason to mutter the word pudong new city building in china wasn't just an engineering pursuit but a complete socioeconomic experiment of unprecedented scale it was less about cashing in on constructing new developments than it was priming new economic engines that could create and sustain additional growth, all while curbing the stark social and economic disparity between the east of the country and the west. Using the full gamut of financing, engineering, and administrative tools available, China engaged in full-scale national shakeup. As more than 100 large-scale urbanization projects were carried out to fruition, being populated with companies, institutions, and residents by guile and fiat. Virtually overnight, former backwaters like Chengdu, Chongqing, Wuhan, Xi'an, Kunming, and Gyeong emerged as China's best-performing cities being relaunched and revitalized. Historic cores paired with shiny new areas 
is that boasts a high-tech R&D centers, modern shopping malls, new airports, high-speed rail stations, sprawling industrial zones, and more middle-class housing than anyone could really have any use for. At the time, the only thing that seemed crazier than a country going out and building hundreds of ghost cities was a country going out and building hundreds of more or less successful new cities and other large-scale urban areas completely from scratch. Today, China's so-called ghost cities that were so prevalently showcased in 2014 and 2013 are no longer global intrigues. They have filled up to the point of being functional. Normal cities, ex-ghost cities, are rarely news. But as far as I was concerned, this was the big story, or so I thought. What I didn't know at the time was that the new city building boom that I had observed across China was also kicking off in emerging markets across East Asia, the Middle East, and Africa. Look, I'm no big city lawyer. I'm a simple guy. At the top of the hour, I serve you a three-minute ad break. I tell you, if you no longer want to see those ads, all you need to do is subscribe. The one thing I, I will say, we look to the way China has developed itself with the same dogmatic lenses that we have on, and we go, ah, these idiots, why are they building these houses as a way to park their investment? That's so dumb. These are all going to depreciate in value when nobody moves there, and usually that's not the major reason. Part of it is they're building because they want to continue the flow of foreign capital, foreign investment, and they want to keep people working. But the other reason is because they want to urbanize the entire country, and they have been able to do so successfully. They want to offset population density in the major cities that have grown rapidly. And the reason why I talk about this quite a bit is not because I'm like, China is so good. I love China. China is the best. China is the best country on the planet like that's not the reason i look to how china operates and i say why not us why can't we do that like all the yimbis should be so pro china all the armchair urbanists should be unironically the most pro china motherfuckers. and yet for some reason they're so hawkish do you see what i'm saying do you understand china is literally the yimbi paradise constant urbanization rapid urbanization even development massive public transit and they still even have cars they also have like the most american brain disease of having vehicles everywhere too you can have cars too it's like you got it all now nah, there's a lot of stealing hassan himself said so even but that's normal a lot of countries do it yeah i don't give a about ip that's ridiculous for the record it's been happening for 30 years you think they didn't realize like oh man china is stealing our ip like no of course they didn't give it they recognized that it offset manufacturing costs so they didn't give a and I think personally, they didn't believe that this would happen either. It's always funny when like pro-American guys will just be like, I can't believe they're stealing the IP of like Hewlett Packard. It's like, what are you, are you Mr. Packard? Are you Mr. Intel? Like what the f is it to you? Like, that's what I mean. It's just like at a certain point, you have to recognize that you are basically flinging your arms angrily and hoping that it sticks on something, right? Anything. Like one should always ask themselves, is this something that I care about? Is this something that I would actually take the exact same position on if it wasn't for China? Same thing goes for building massive housing projects. Is this something that I care about in the Western world? Is this something that I want in the Western world? Or am I actually just like upset because I've been primed into thinking this is bad? because someone who is my enemy, someone who is uh, someone who I'm afraid of is doing it. The reason why I brought up the ghost cities argument is because from a Western pro-capitalist lens, you look at that and you think, oh, that's a failure, lol. And then 10 years later, you're like, okay, maybe it wasn't that big of a failure. And then 20 years later, you're like, okay, these have become massive cities, like hubs of life. There's a difference there. If you're building up with long-term commitments in mind, with a grander project in mind, you're not going to always make the most sound short-term profit seeking opinions that's the problem i am a firm believer that 
a major power isn't even full-blown socialist by the way make no mistake but a major power that at least has like some semblance of centralized planning in mind that isn't operating simply at the behest of corporate growth is always going to be able to eviscerate the competition once they reach a certain point which china has reached that's all this is i saw this article on the financial times yes sorry china uh, sorry america china has a bigger economy than you measures that show the opposite of absurd implications and dangerous policy prescriptions as far as i understand it the article is basically about how like our summarization i mean it's mostly just copium but like our understanding of the chinese economy revolves around like not manipulating currency but revolves around how like currency fluctuations occur and there are obviously really silly ways of interpreting that data and and many other countries do that as well you might have seen sober and accurate financial times reporting on the u.s economy and it's remarkable annualized growth rate of 5.2 percent in the third quarter of this year let me give you an advanced side of what happened in november forget talk of rapid growth or soft landings the u.s economy shrank at an annualized rate of around 30 percent in that month alone it's so large president joe biden must be toast and it probably spells the end of the american dream he did the thing he did the meme he did the meme he's doing the america is collapsing tomorrow meme how did he do it by using the same metrics of analysis that we do when we look at china you could make that same video over and over again for america as well in the same way that many people do on china except it's just silly don't worry i've not lost my marbles the calculation above is true but it is not fair i've taken the u.s economic performance in november assumed to have not done much and calculated that in euros or renminbi after converting to the u.s gdp using market exchange rates then i annualized the result the thing that drove the result was the near three percent fall in the u.s dollars value during the month you would be right to think that this is an absurd way to compare economies, but it is deeply fashionable among people who should know better. Take Mark Carney, former governor of the Bank of England, who said that before the Brexit referendum, the UK economy was 90% the size of the German economy, but it declined to 70% by late 2022. That change was caused by the relative decline in the sterling. Remember the European angst spread by the European Council on Foreign Relations that the EU had a bigger economy than the US in 2008, and now the US was a third, a third larger? That was simply a rise in the US dollar from a low base. China looks like it's failing to catch up with the US economic size on market exchange exchange rates, but it has overtaken the U.S. when measured at purchasing power parity exchange rates. The purchasing power parity data is better corroborated by electricity generation. This is nutty, but of course has a lot to do with population size as well. The list goes on. On the silly market exchange rate comparisons, many news organizations have reported that Japan will lose its spot as the world's third largest economy, the J uh, Germany, this year. And apparently the U.S. is still the world's largest economy with China failing to catch up. A basic requirement for international comparisons is that domestic data and international data to give similar results. This is why the economics profession invented purchasing power parity exchange rates, allowing imperfect comparisons to be made based on the goods and services that money can buy. This matters for economic size and even military power. Remember, China funds the People's Liberation Army using renminbi. It does not source from the U.S. Measured at PPP, the latest IMF data shows China's GDP exceeded that in the U.S. around the time Donald Trump was making America great again. It is now 22% larger. The figures make sense when you look at the corroborating evidence. China's electricity generation for for example, overtook that in the U.S. in 2010. And during the 2016 to 2022 period, when China's economy was supposedly making no progress, compared with the U.S., its generation grew 45%, while it was broadly flat in America. The electricity generation argument is a byproduct, like its growth is a byproduct of China's development. The electricity was always supposed to pass America, because it's a much larger country than the United States of America. But the fact that it's still growing implies, while other metrics show that China is collapsing anytime 
now implies that there is a mismatch in the data that you're looking at. Does that make sense? It comforts both the US and China not to acknowledge the changing shift in global economic power coming from the UK, which lost its top economic dog status in the late 19th century, but still has some delusions of grandeur. I can understand American denialism. For China, it is also easier to avoid responsibilities for climate change, debt relief, and other global goods if it can still maintain its minnow status. This is ironically something that Donald Trump actually talked about quite a bit, that China has like this special status where it is a literal superpower. We still analyze China as though it's a developing nation. Surprising, I know, but Donald Trump's China hawking in this regard wasn't necessarily wrong, at least with his analysis here. But ultimately, bad comparisons foster bad decisions. It would be easy for the EU economy once again to become the world's largest at market exchange rates. All the European Central Bank would need to do is raise interest rates enough to push the euro up to the sufficient threshold. That might make Europe temporarily feel better until it recognized it was suffering the mother of all recessions. I'd rather listen to a YouTuber of PowerPoint slides at Chinese ghost cities from 2012 than listen to the analysis of a 30-year-old economist veteran of the Financial Times who tracks these at a daily basis. America number one, no matter what, baby. I mean, there's still plenty of econ guys that will serve you the copium too that is necessary no opinion i feel like might be one of those guys or his favorite is like to say india is doing so much better than china i feel like he does that a lot india is our guy right i don't know if that comparison favors india at all but it's like a very odd comparison to make because it genuinely favors like autonomy and rapid urbanization and even development immediately it's it favors centralized planning which of course i'm not saying that like india a massive country has not had its own versions of uh, historically from time to time. In the most reductive terms, and I think people will get very mad at me for saying this, in the most reductive terms, when you look at India and China, okay, obviously the standards are not going to be the same. Their starting point is not going to be the same. But you have two Asian, formerly colonized nation states that have been victim of uh, Western powers. India certainly to a larger degree, I would say, than China. And then you have one nation that rose from the ashes of such and was able to completely eviscerate extreme poverty at the global level to a degree that it's unimaginable and unavoidable and one that even neoclassical economists will agree to. And India is certainly not the country that I'm talking about. Hasanabi plays video games? Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> this is literally jump scare the game. Wait, really? I'm scared. It's getting darker. I don't like it. Is what I would say if I was actually scared, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just play acting. Why would you follow this guy? Ah! I can feel something. You can feel something. I just hate scary games, man. Okay. 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 This is bullshit. I don't want to play this. Uh, Kaya. Kaya's gonna get scared. Is this my baby?